to the Power 5 Mentality Podcast, the first and only podcast discussing all things mid-major marketing, creative, and more. My name is Emily McMillan, Assistant Director of Creative Services at Kansas State University, joined as always by my co-host Scott Peace, Associate AD for External at Evansville. On today's episode, we are joined by Carl Harrison, Associate AD for External Affairs at North Carolina A&T. Carl brings experience outside the sports world and corporate sales while also bringing a background from Elon, where he got his undergrad degree, as well as worked as the assistant director for marketing before his current role at North Carolina A&T. And with that, I'll hand it over to Scott for an episode overview. Yeah, thanks, Emily. And Carl, thanks for joining us. We're super excited to have you on. Um, like Emily said, we are going to talk a little bit about his start after college um, outside of the industry, how he got back into it um, at Elon and now North Carolina A&T and a couple different roles. Um, we'll also talk a little bit about uh, HBCU culture. This is actually our first guest currently working at an HBCU, so we're excited to dive into a little bit of that for the first time. Um, but with that, Emily, I'll turn it back to you and we'll get going. Awesome. Yeah, just to kick us off, um, I, I think you had just a unique uh, way you got into sports. So kind of wanted to talk about um, your start with corporate um, sales with ADP and just talk about um, what that kind of looked like, how you got into it um, coming out of undergrad and just what, what that looked like and what skills you were able to create in that job that has helped you um, in your career path. Absolutely. Well, uh, thank you, Emily and Scott, for having me on today. Um, glad to be here. I, uh, like I said, attended Elon University um, and was a, a marketing major, marketing and, and did sport event management, I guess, as a, as a minor. Um, and I think my junior year, yeah, junior year um, in the summer, I interned with um, Elon Athletics ticket office, ticketing marketing. Um, doing some preparation for football season, um, season ticket sales, kind of just some calls to ticket holders, all of that. Um, it was a requirement for a class, just needed internship, and also a, a pretty cool way to stay on campus and uh, make some extra money. So, you know, I enjoyed it, but I never really thought twice, like, oh, you know, this is something I really want to do. I kind of had a sport event management um, minor just because I, you know, wanted to add a minor and had an interest in sports, you know, played football and basketball. So, you know, obviously I was very uh, heavily involved in the, the athletic side of things. So um, after junior year um, started the, my senior year, I took a professional sales class. And one of the things in the professional sales class um, was like a pitch. I can't even remember what it was for, for a product. Um, and so I did a pitch and my professor who was actually a former like Wall Street guy who, who you know, who was in sales. It's like, oh my gosh, you really need to consider this. You're so good at this. You're very natural, blah, blah, blah. Um, and so, you know, I really didn't have an interest. So this is, you know, maybe the first week of class. This is, you know, mid to late August. Um, and he's like, hey, you know, we have a professional sales club. We do different competitions and all this. Um, please, you know, consider joining. So I gave it some thought and ended up doing it. Um, and, you know, started going to like the practices and everything, um, essentially where you do pitches for, um, you know, like mock working at a, on, on a sales team, 
um, and then eventually entered into this like uh, competition. It was World Collegiate Sales Open. It was at Northern Illinois and in, in DeKalb, Illinois, um, where there's you know different levels of uh, like calling a potential client, setting a meeting, doing you know your kind of two minute or one minute elevator pitch. Um, and then have an initial meeting, coming back with a second meeting, kind of walking through, you know, all their needs and, and kind of, you know, close the sale. So I ended up winning the competition, first sales competition I ever did. I found out later that like, you know, people have been training for this since their freshman year. So, um, and then after that, it, it's really a big recruiting thing for a lot of companies. So um, I ended up working at ADP. There were, you know, a lot of pharmaceutical sales places in any type of area you could think of, accounting sales, whatever was there as well. Um, and so went on a couple of, it's almost like visits, like you're like getting recruited really. Um, so went to a couple of different companies over the winter and I think late February decided on ADP, um, which is where I worked was in Charlotte, North Carolina, and, you know, really wanted to be in a, in a city like Charlotte. So chose that, um, and it worked out really well. Um, I, I enjoyed it for the time I was there and then I was just got a call back in athletics, but, um, it, one of the things I, I really learned this kind of carried over into athletics is just how to um, talk to people and how to um, understand what people need. And I think one of the things I, I was very appreciative of Elon and, you know, just doing some of the competitions, I understood how to not come off as a salesperson. You know, I, I think we all, especially in athletics, have to deal with people trying to sell us stuff. And, you know, as soon as you pick up the phone, they're trying to sell you something. Um, so I, I really learned how to be needs space and, and you know work with people if they have a need and, and kind of fill that void and so that's carried over well you know to a marketing standpoint and you know I oversee our corporate sales team now still working with that because you know there are a lot of places out there we could partner with but it, it has to be something that fits both of us so um really learned that from my sales background so you, you took your experience at adp um and went back to Elon to work back in athletics. How did that transition happen? Um, just, yeah, how did that that all work? Yeah, so um, was was really, you know, enjoying being at ADP um, was really just, I think it was a little over a year, maybe right at a year, was just starting to kind of understand, you know, being in an adult world and, and uh, how to sell. Luckily, I, I was blessed that it was not, um, I know a lot of people who were in some of the programs with me were taking like 100% commission jobs out of uh, undergrad. And, and thankfully I did not have that. I, I got a salary and, and, you know, plus commission. So I was not, you know, struggling or anything. Um, and, and, you know, really kind of building up my client base. But randomly on Facebook, um, I just got a call, I mean, a, a message, excuse me, um, from the director of the Phoenix Club, which is the uh, development arm of Elon Athletics at the time, asking if I had any interest in coming back. Uh, they were looking to hire a new development officer. And I didn't even work uh, with John Keegan is, is the guy's name. I never even worked directly for John when I was at Elon in undergrad. Um, you know, I came across him in passing, um, working in my internship. Um, and also kind of uh, relied on him for a project in one of my classes where we had to put on a uh, golf tournament and needed sponsors. And so I, you know, talked to him about how to get sponsors. And so that just shows you, you never know what type of conversation can lead to a job. But he, you know, clearly still had me in his mind as someone that would be a good fit in athletics. So he shot me a message on Facebook, um, asked if I was interested. 
ended up talking to the athletic director, uh, Dave Blank, who's actually still there, um, and, and came down for an interview for, like I said, for a development officer. And through conversations, it, it wasn't the best fit only because, like I said, I never interned with development. So I didn't have any true like development experience. And um, afterwards, Dave gave me a call. I was like, hey, you know, um, we really enjoyed having you. You know, you think you'd be a good fit in our department. Just not 100% sure if that fit would be on a development side. And so um, we're going to, we need some more people in market. We're going to create an assistant director of marketing position. Would you be interested in that? And I said, sure, um, you know, because obviously that was more my background. Um, and then, you know, a month, maybe a month and a half later, I was starting, starting my first day at Elon. Awesome. I, I like talking with people that don't have like the traditional path to getting um, into athletics because you didn't like do X, Y, and Z to get there. Um, so right. maybe do you have any like advice or like um, tips from even like now that you're on the other side, watching other people try to get into college athletics um, for someone that maybe doesn't have the um, background of working, working games at undergrad or anything like that. What advice would you give someone that has a non-traditional um, path to getting into college athletics? I think, um, you know, when either when you apply or when you're trying to make connections with someone in, in the uh, athletics field, trying to take whatever your transferable skills are from, you know, your current position or <clears throat> your current, you know, major and, and showing why they work in athletics. Um, obviously, like I said, I had a sales background, so and, and sales and marketing background. So it was a little bit easier for me to, to talk about my experiences. Um, but I think there are certain things, you know, hopefully working in athletics, you're a fan of, of, of some type of team or, or sport. And so using those experiences as a fan to say, you know, I see this or I'm around this and, you know, I, I feel like I, you know, maybe not fully understand everything, but it at least can tie in some of those experiences to why you may um, be a good fit. I grew up on a college campus. My, my, my mother is an educator. My father is a fundraiser, a college fundraiser. So I grew up, you know, shaking hands and going to events and dinners and receptions and all that stuff. So I use that, you know, for me getting in, in the field and kind of talking about that. Um, and then, like I said, if you are blessed as an undergrad or, or, you know, even grad school, whatever it is, and you get an experience to be in the department, um, I think sometimes a lot of the um, students I talk to may want to work specifically with me or specifically with development or, or whoever it is. And I think just getting in the department wherever it is um, and doing a good job, it, it helps you get your foot in the door. Like I said, I worked in, in ticketing um, as an intern and have never worked fully in ticketing since since then. Um, that was my my foot in the door. And like I said, my my um, person who reached out to me was never even a direct supervisor. He just saw the different things I was doing and how hard I worked and, and just remember the conversations. I think sometimes we have the, uh, you know, students may only pinpoint a certain person and, you know, try to talk to that person or, you know, try to talk in that field and just completely miss all the opportunities that are out there because they don't, um, they act like some people don't exist. Or, you know, if you don't have that associate AD in front of your name or assistant AD in front of your name, you, you aren't as important. Um, and you never know who will give you that, that first chance or can, can help you move on. Yeah, we, we've talked on, on the show before, just like sending the email because you never know really what's gonna happen making that connection. Um, but, uh, during your time at Elon, were there any like fun campaigns or 
marketing ideas that you got to do that um, were kind of just you know, like things that you took pride in um, that you were like, yeah, we, we did that really well. We were able to um, stretch our limits and um, accomplish something really cool. Um, does anything pop out during your time at Elon that follows that? Yeah, absolutely. I can think of two things. Um, for those who don't, who don't know, Elon is like in the middle of um, what people call Tobacco Road. Just FYI, Tobacco Road is not a, a real thing, but people say it all the time. Um, so that's like the four uh, North Carolina ACC schools, NC State, um, Duke, and Chapel and UNC Chapel Hill are in the triad, so kind of the Raleigh-Durham, Chapel Hill area. And then about an hour down the road in Winston-Salem is Wake Forest. So Elon sits in the middle of that. Um, and a lot of the students, like when I was an undergrad, even when I worked there, um, you know, we had a lot of students coming from the Northeast and may have other teams that they follow or even kind of the local um, fans around, you know, if Carolina, if Carolina was their team and Elon were playing on the same day, sometimes they would choose to watch Carolina or, or you know, go to a Carolina game over Elon game. So we had, um, you know, to kind of battle the fans who just weren't as excited. Um, so our main focus uh, originally when I got there was students um, and, and uh, Dave, when he hired me, you know, because um, I was, uh, you know, part of a, of a, of a fraternity um, and he, you know, joked about being, you know, kind of the insider to understand Greek life and get students out the game. So we really were looking for ways to make uh, our games an event and kind of the cool place to be um, because students just found, you know, any and everything else to do. And, you know, instead of coming to a football game or soccer match or basketball game, whatever it is. So um, one of the, the first things we did was start a uh, student rewards program. Um, and we started from very humble beginnings, literally using an Excel spreadsheet and our interns would check people in and kind of tally off. And so they would get certain points for coming to the game and they could work towards, I think your first game, you got a t-shirt and you know, worked up to other gifts and then we had some big gift at the end of the year like an ipad or something like that so um worked to make that more uh we integrated it with their like uh card uh the phoenix card which is you know the card again to buildings and pay for meal plans and all that stuff um so literally we bought some uh swipers all they had to do was scan um uh, eventually had an app they could log on and look at how many points they got um, and it really grew as a program because obviously, you know, this wasn't to try to get people to football as much because football wasn't as bad in terms of attendance. Um, but some of the uh, Olympic sports really, really saw a jump in attendance, um, which was which was really the goal. We put obviously more point value on on some of those sports that had lower attendance. Um, and they last time I checked, they still had it. <laughs> um, like I said, it's called One Phoenix. It may have changed a little bit. Um, but that's something I'm, I'm really proud of because it did help the, the student attendance. And there was, you know, marked improvement from year one to year two, um, just getting kids excited. And, and it helped kind of reestablish a student fan section in a lot of our games. And I know that group that, that organized that is still going on. The second thing is a student tailgate. Um, so Elon has on-campus Greek housing. Um, which is probably a five minute walk, maybe less than that um, from the football stadium. So literally on Saturdays, you, you, we would see um, students just hanging out at their frat house um, on the back porch, kind of, you know, drinking and eating and, and watching other games. And there was an Elon game live division one football going on five minutes away from them. 
Um, so we decided if we could just get them closer to the stadium, we would at least have a chance to get them in the game. So um, we worked with the student activities office, um, Greek life office, uh, obviously campus security, and basically created a student tailgate lane leading into the stadium um, where any organization could rent a tent. I want to say it was $50 a game or something like that. You may get a discount if you got it for more. So obviously we, you know, we were eating a lot of the cost um, because we paid for a full tent setup, full tables, chairs. All they had to do was order some type of food. Um, and they could even order that through some of our sponsors, which obviously helped from a sponsorship side or um, our on-campus uh, dining service. So um, that really helped um, the whole game experience. We also turned that into what is called a Phoenix walk. Um, so the team would get dropped off at the top of that hill and they walk through um, the fans and the band would be out there. So the students would be at the top and then some of the fan, regular fan tailgate was more towards the bottom of the hill and, and they would kind of join in. So it really, really helped the whole uh, game experience. Proud to say that's still going on too. I can't fully take credit for that one because um, that, that was definitely a team effort, but it is pretty cool the you know, once you leave the institution to still see something you helped start going on. Well, Carl, from Elon, uh, you stayed in North Carolina and moved on to North Carolina A&T, where you are now, um, mm -hmm. first as the assistant AD for marketing and now associate AD for external. Um, and so I actually, a couple before last fall, was our assistant AD of marketing and now I'm the associate AD for external, just like you. But I think what that means and what that looks like is different a lot of places. I kept Absolutely. virtually all of my all of my duties from my previous role and just kind of added to that. So while I kind of broadly oversee external, my focus is still on the marketing side. So can you just kind of briefly describe those two roles and how maybe you held on to some things and maybe they differed as well? <laughs> yeah. So when I was assistant director of marketing, it was, I mean, uh, assistant AD for marketing, it was, like you said, kind of all marketing things, you know, game promotion, in-game presentation, uh, liaison with band and cheer and all that. Um, and then, you know, all the media buys and everything. So, um, the, you know, the true bread and butter marketing, if you would think of it, uh, I didn't handle any type of sponsorships. I just worked at that time. We had, um, IMG just work with the IMG rep to ensure, um, you know, everything happened like it was supposed to be in game. Um, when I transitioned and was promoted to associate AD for external, as I was actually uh, promoted to associate AD for external, had some added duties and then had some additional added duties later down the line. Um, so one of it, this probably never happens to anyone in external. It's probably maybe three of us in the country, but I actually am our SAC advisor uh, um, only because our um, former SWA, who's now at UAB. Um, her office was two doors down from mine um, when I first got here. And as, as someone who wants to be an AD, I knew, you know, having that sports supervision is really important. And so, you know, as an assistant AD for marketing, I knew I wasn't getting any sports to supervise. So um, one day before a SAC meeting, I, was, I asked her if I could help out in any way. Um, and she was like, yeah, you know, feel free to come to the meeting. And so I started 
you know, coming to meetings, helping out. And I was pretty much the, the co-advisor. So when she left, it was right at the time I got promoted. And so um, I added, you know, SAC advisor to, <laughs> to my marketing role. Um, but I also uh, work hand in hand uh, with development and in terms of major gifts, just actually just wrapped up a really big one two weeks ago that I'm very, very excited about. Um, and then during that time period, we also ended our relationship with IMG Learfield. So I had to um, head up and start our in-house sponsorship team, um, which has, has just gone very well. So um, pretty much everything that you would think of our external side, I, you know, the traditional external things I oversee, I just do not oversee our communications. We have a associate AD of, of communications who handles, you know, everything from a sports information in, but obviously as, as you all know, we work hand in hand. Uh, with our support information office to to get to get things done. Hopefully that answered uh, your question. No, it did. It did. I appreciate it. Um, another thing that you mentioned in our pre-recording conversations that I'm interested about are some of the track athletes um, involved in the Olympics. Um, yeah. Can you talk a little bit about who the, who they are, what they've accomplished, and some of the other things that went into that? Yeah, absolutely. So. Um, we had uh, two athletes compete um, together, <laughs> actually. Uh, Trevor Stewart, who, who still, um, who just graduated, and then Randolph Ross Jr., um, who's a current student athlete. He's, he's coming back uh, this year. He's actually our, our head coach's son. Um, so Trevor was in the mixed four by four relay. Um, the, the men and women's one, I think this is the first year for it. They won a bronze medal. And then he and Randolph Jr. were in the um, four by four men's team um, gold medal. So they both ran in the prelims. Um, and then they obviously there's, there were some other individuals who ran in the finals, but they, they still won a gold medal because they were part of that team. Um, and then, you know, they actually both were on the team here at AT. That won the indoor and outdoor four by four national championship, and then Randolph was the uh, collegiate uh, open four hundred national champion. And then we had a young lady, Cambria Sturgis, who won the one hundred and the two hundred uh, outdoor championship. So our men finished in uh, third place this year, and overall um, and outdoor, and our women finished fourth place. So um, for a school of our size, that is amazing. Uh, coach Dwayne Ross, who is our track coach, is, has done an amazing job. He's a former Olympian himself, um, just recruiting and, and, and building a program um, here. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's really cool to be, be here at this time. Now, like you said, that, that's really incredible. And we're a, a really small school ourselves. So anytime we have anything major like that, we do, I think we do a really good job of making those people feel special, but also, you know, making sure that the rest of the country sees what we're doing. So I can definitely relate to that. Kind of switching gears a little bit. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe July 1st is when you guys transition to the Big South Conference. Correct. Um, can you talk about what things have looked like since then and any involvement you had directly with um, really that big move? Because anytime you switch a conference, it can have a pretty big impact. Yeah, absolutely. So. Um... This is something uh, that I, I think, you know, maybe caught some people by surprise, but um, the university did definitely did its due diligence and, and kind of figured out this was a move that made sense um, and obviously went through board of trustees for different committees and voting and all that. So um, was not <laughs> involved, you know, I, I didn't have a vote in it, 
Um, so I wasn't involved on that end, but definitely I've been involved uh, since the right before the decision was made to to move to the Big South about what that looks like and how that affects our teams and you know our administration. Um, from a travel standpoint, for us, it, it's it's a lot closer. Our conference was stretched from uh, Delaware down to Florida, and so now we're pretty much um, outside of you know a couple of um, football only members. We're only from Virginia to South Carolina, which uh, helps a lot on travel, and you know hopefully we'll have. Um, our fans at some some more games as well as get our student athletes off the road as much so they can focus on schoolwork and you know just being a college student and, and doing other things so um, that's really exciting it's it, it opens some new opportunities for some teams um, football will you know be a part of the FCS playoffs now uh, we have been previously but uh, in the MEAC we took part in uh, the celebration ball which is an amazing amazing event uh, on ABC and played the winner of the other Division One HBCU conference, the SWAC. Um, it, there were five games, and we were in four of them and won all four. Um, so that was that was pretty cool for us. Um, and the year we didn't go to that sixteen is when we uh, we didn't win the MEAC, but we went to the FCS play, FCS playoffs. Um, so now that we're we don't have that celebration bowl tie, we'll. Hopefully we're going to the playoffs every year, which I think is exciting for the team and, and has a chance to compete for an FCS national championship. So another thing that you had mentioned um, when we were getting everything ready for this episode um, was about your men's basketball atmosphere. So I'm excited to talk a little bit about that. I, I'm really into the fan experience side of things and always look to potentially steal a good idea for ourselves. So. <laughs> Uh, you mentioned uh, Club Corbett. Can you explain what that is and how it's been good for your atmosphere? So, yeah, um, the 2017-2018 season, um, our basketball, our men's team uh, was having a rough year. It only won, I think, one division, one game. Um, and our last home game was against our biggest rival, who's the number one team in the conference and had pretty much already wrapped up uh, their auto bid, I think, at that point. Um, so we were hosting them for senior day and we were really, you know, wanted to find a way to honor our seniors by making sure we had a good amount of fans there. So we literally threw like the kitchen sink <laughs> at making that game happen. Um, you know, we had all type of shirt giveaways. We did a pregame tailgate in our auxiliary gym next to um, the, the gym where we play our home basketball games where we had a DJ. Um, we had shirt giveaways, we had food giveaways, we had everything. Um, so we I can't remember if it sold out, but it was very near sellout of a game. And so for a team that had won one division one game that year, having a sellout was really cool. Uh, um, so yeah, so we ended up winning the game, um, which was very, very exciting. The fans rushed the court, students rushed the court. Um, and so we took a lot of what we did in that last game and carried it over to the next year. Um, so I worked with um, like a, a student DJ on campus and then a host, like a, a party host, really. Um, and, and it turned into kind of this organic, you know, party-like environment, because as we all know in athletics, the one thing we truly can't control is the game outcome. So we have to put everything into an environment we can. We never really had a problem with... Um, our our alums and adult fans coming out our students had just kind of lost interest a little bit um and as you know you know once students are excited about the game it kind of 
it brings the environment up and other fans want to come and, and kind of find out. So the next year, and this was a men, men and women's basketball thing. It, it definitely was not just uh, women. I mean, d- definitely was not just men. So we were excited to, to have a great environment for both. Um, but yeah, so like I said, we, we hired a DJ, hired a host um, and real and, and tried to any type of promotions or reads that we had to do in game. Um, we really tried to make sure they were, uh, a little bit more exciting and, you know, not just kind of dry, go visit, blah, 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 company here. Um, so yeah, so th- that really turned into something kind of cool. And, and, um, you know, we did, this was when Snapchat was a little bit more popular. We had Snapchat filters and Instagram filters and all that, um, to make it seem like the place to be. We kind of ramped up our team on campus, you know, pushing games on game day at the calf, handing out flyers and everything. And so it organically, we, the club Corbett thing, we did not start calling that. It organically became that. Um, and so, you know, the, the DJ and host started calling it. Um, and then next thing I know, you know, uh, our local beat writer wrote an article, uh, you know, about the increased environment. Um, we shot up maybe, I think it was 35% average attendance year over year, which was nuts. Um, we led the, the conference in attendance um, at our level in terms of like, you know, a mid-major FCS. Um, I think we were top 10 and, and still have been. So, it, I mean, to come from where we were, it, it was a big jump. Obviously, you know, the teams have a lot to do with that. Our teams have been very successful. Both won regular season titles last year. Um, the women's team also went NCAA tournament. Um, the men's team went, I think, two or three years without losing a conference game at home um, since that. And then women maybe only lost one or two. So um, it was really like a perfect storm where we upped our game from a marketing side and made the environment better. Um, and the teams, you know, you know hats off to their coaching staff and players um, have just, you know, been so successful that it, it was just perfect timing and, and, and everything has, has kind of jumped up. Well, I like what you said about that kind of all happening organically, because that's that's when you know you've done something right, wouldn't you say? Yeah. Oh, oh yeah, absolutely. If we would have rolled out and said, hey, guys, we're starting Club Corbett, people would be like, what? What is that? <laughs> and Corbett, by the way, is the name of our, our gym. I think I left a bar, part off is Corbett Sports Center. So that's obviously where the club part comes in. Um, but yeah, it was super organic. And I I, I want to say, like I said, is the host that said it the first time on social media, because that's the other part that I left out. They were our biggest um, help on social media because we can push out from our team accounts and main athletic accounts. But when you have people who are usually the go-to for events on campus pushing out and students look to them to know, all right, well, this is the thing to go to tonight. They're always pushing out the game and, you know, not just that the game is happening, but hey, come, you know, come out to Club Corbett, we got this going on, you know, it was a big game, we're trying to get first place, whatever it is, um, you know, they were, they have been really helpful in that, and then we capitalized on it, obviously, we, you know, we had shirts, anytime we do kind of a color game, we put Club Corbett on it, we had a, uh, made it look like a neon club sign, so we really played off of it once it, um, once it organically started, I think that's, that's probably one of the, the best things in, in marketing to happen. It was once you see something organically happen, you have to kind of jump on it and see any way you can grow it. I love that. I love that. That's a really good one. Um, I also want to make sure we leave time to talk about this. I mentioned at the beginning that you were actually our first guest 
who was actively at an HBCU at the time of recording. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're excited about that. But I, I want to hear from you about um, the culture at a school like that and what you think kind of makes that a special place and separates it from from maybe others. Absolutely. So, yeah, I mentioned I grew up um, on a college campus. Um, both my parents attended. Uh, they actually met at HBC at Winston-Salem State uh, University, and they both worked there. Um, so I grew up with a, a pretty cool understanding of HBCUs because we, you know, go to so many games. Um, and it's, it's, it's hard to describe in words. I think a lot of times, you know, especially in athletics, people may know HBCUs for kind of like homecoming and step shows and stuff like that. But it's a, it is a true like family atmosphere. And I think a lot of schools use that and say that, and and some schools are family atmosphere, but it is really true to HBCU. Um, It's, you know, very nurturing, very welcoming. Um, You know, it's it's just a a huge family who who roots and supports each other. Um, But from an athletic standpoint, um, I think that uh, a lot of times you kind of get looked at as a lower division. And it's almost like, you know, Oh, HBCUs are Division One. I. I didn't know that, you know. And so when you, especially like recently, we've had, um, you know, higher, you know, five star and four star players deciding to go to HBCUs, um, it, it's it's kind of changed the narrative a little bit. Whether it's you know here at A and T or Randolph Ross, who I spoke about earlier, um, runs track was you know recruited a bunch of Power Fives decided to go here. And I remember social media chatting like, oh, you know, why would he choose A and T? Um, you see the same thing down at Jackson State with Dion. Uh, about, you know, they have some five and four-star players who are going there. So um, I think, you know, this is, is a great time to HBCU show how competitive and, and, and how solid our student athletes are. Um, and, and then I think it's just, um, you know, we nurture the, the whole student. And so obviously we're appreciative of, of their talents on the field or court or whatever they play. Um, but at the end of the day, we want to, you know, turn out um, students and young men and young women who are ready to go into the world um, and represent themselves, their family, and their university. Um, and so I, I think HBCUs do an amazing job at that. Um, obviously, you know, just over time have been underfunded, whether it's, you know, government support or, or, or wherever, um, you know, most of the time unfairly uh, uh, undersupported. So, you know, I, I think that's why I appreciate working on the external, the revenue generation side to, you know, clo- continue to close that gap as much as we can. Um, you know, I remember people asking kind of, oh, you know, why would you go to A&T from, from Elon? Why would you leave a PWI to, to, to go to HBCU? And, you know, I'd never, it never even crossed my mind that someone would look at it as a step down to me. It was a step up. Um, and so I, I've truly enjoyed being here. Some of the opportunities here that we've been able to do at HBCU, there, there are FCS institutions who wish, you know, they could do that. If you look at FCS attendance, like the, you know, eight out of the top 10 or maybe seven out of the top 10 are HBCUs. Um, and so obviously the, our fans are so supportive, so very, very supportive. I talked about you know, our basketball team was not doing as well, but we were still having good attendance from, from our older fans and older alums. Um, I think it was maybe 12, 13 years ago, there was a time where the football team um, lost, it was like 20 or 22 straight games or something like that. And we're still having people at games. It just shows you how much people love their university um, and, and love their HBCU. So it's, it's really cool to be here. And even like I say, even though I didn't attend ANC, I really feel like an adopted Aggie at this point. Um, so it's, it's, it's definitely an experience um, for those in athletics, whether 
you know, you come to and watch a game and kind of understand the environment or, you know, you work at one one day, it's 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 definitely not something to to look down on. A lot, all great thoughts, um, Carl. Thank you. Um, before we let you go, though, we kind of like to leave the last segment of the show just for any final remarks related to what we've talked about. Um, something that you just have a passion for. Um, we really kind of just leave the floor open. So, um, if there's anything that you want to talk about, uh, this is your chance. Uh, yeah, I think that uh, my passion would be, just be opportunity. We kind of you talked uh, or you asked me a question earlier about best ways to get um, into the field if you don't really know. Um, but I think it's you know for people on that you know mid higher management who are actually making hires, I think it's really important uh, you know as we grow as a department or as departments to make sure that the people we hire um, you know kind of reflect the 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 fans and the community that we're going after. Um, and so, you know, you can't have a, a room of everyone who thinks and looks the exact same, trying to come up with ways to, to market to, to people who don't look and, and, and think like you. So um, I, I always will, you know, remind people that, uh, you know, some people just need an opportunity to get into that room and to help make change and, and, and help appeal to, you know, whatever the, the target is. Um, and, and athletics uh, can be, um, Obviously, as we know, difficult to get into, you know, you may not make as much money as you want to when you first get started, um, but it can provide so many opportunities. I, I love sports. I love athletics because of what it can do for student athletes, of the way it brings people together to support a team, to support a common cause. And so I think the more people that are able to get into this field, um, you know, the better. And like I said, I think, you know, sometimes, um, we get jobs based off who you know, you know, that's, that's just how this industry works. Um, but sometimes you have to keep in mind that, that that person isn't always the best person. So, um, you know, I guess my, my final thought would be to make sure that you're, you know, really thinking about the type of people that you hire and that you bring on, that you give opportunities um, because there, there are people out there who deserve just that first foot in the door there, that first chance to show off how good they are and um you know they'll they'll make magic happen awesome uh thank you again carl for joining us um we just want to remind everyone to go and follow us on twitter at p5 mentality subscribe and rate us on your favorite podcast streaming site check out our blog on the power five mentality website and remember power five is just a mentality <laughs>